Friday the 15th of September 2017. It was obvious at bath time that both Jonty and Rosie had a cold. Rosie informed me in her sage-like way that someone at clubs had been coughing all over her, as she put it, and went on to tell me that, in her opinion, they should not have been allowed to go to clubs with a cold. It was a great opportunity to tell how the immune system works. Homeschool in the bath. I explained that if I didn't come into contact with bacteria and viruses, that we couldn't build up enough antibodies to protect us. She asked what antibodies were. And I explained that it was like an army of soldiers that the body makes to protect when we have invaders. Rather like the Saxons tried to protect England from the Viking invaders. This I thought was appropriate as we are looking at this in history at the moment. This opened up an excellent conversation which continued after bath and when we joined Jaunty for bedtime story and prayers. In history, when we first began learning together, I asked the children to imagine that we had just boarded a big red bus at the dawn of time and as we passed slowly through time we would look out the windows and see how things gradually changed. Jaunty came up with the idea that our immune systems had to change too because he remembered from one of our lessons that we had watched a very interesting documentary that was explaining that people generally suffered with different and ever-changing types of diseases according to what era they lived in and what kind of lives they led. <clears throat> I said yes. For instance, people in the Saxon times would die of poor sanitation until they had built up strong immune systems. They were the survivors. It wasn't until the Victorian times that it began to be discovered that a lot of premature deaths were caused by poor hygiene when bacteria was first becoming to be identified as the culprit. Jaunty piped up that they were also killing each other in wars and they didn't help much either. Not bad for a ten-year-old. Well, by bedtime there was a lot of wheezing coming from Jaunty and by ten o'clock he came down from his bed with full brown blown croup, croup, which he has always suffered from since he was a baby. As soon as Johnty gets a whisper of a cold, he develops croup. On a couple of occasions, there had been a dash to A&E in the early hours of the morning. On another occasion, we had to call an ambulance. Very kind paramedics stayed with him for about an hour in a steam-filled kitchen until he had recovered enough not to have to be taken into hospital. Croup, if it is a bad attack, can be very scary, both for the child and parents. Many people complain of the inadequacies of the National Health Service, but in emergencies we have always found them excellent. My grandmother used to say that everyone should take some responsibility for their own health and should only call on the experts when an expert is really needed. I've seen many parents rushing off to the doctors or to A&E for the slightest trauma, a sore throat or rash. Often children are bouncing about in the waiting room even before they have seen a doctor. This is of course why such an august and noble body as the NHS is under so much pressure. If there is any suspicion that a child is gravely ill, then of course no time should be wasted to get the correct and expert treatment with no delay particularly if you suspect they may have sepsis, which is a very, very fast-moving and dangerous disease. 
I was brought up to recognise how serious a problem there may be, and later I made sure that I was well informed by doing courses and reading books on the subjects. Wherever possible, I personally, and for my family, choose, in the main, the naturopathic and homeopathic way of dealing with sickness, which is underpinned with the belief that we are what we eat, and our diet is of paramount importance. In the main, I think all things work together for the good. All of these practices fall in line with our general lifestyle and core beliefs and health of the whole planet and its speciation. However, I am not foolish enough to believe that sometimes we have to seek help from experts and medical and allopathic sources. Jonty has woken up feeling very unwell. Rosie is also not herself, with a sore throat and nasty cough. In Rosie's case, this is unusual, as viruses and bacterial infections usually run a mile from Rosie. It does indicate that this is quite an aggressive infection, and on the basis of that, the first rule of getting well in this house is place no further stress on the body. School is cancelled for a day, and they cuddle up together on the sofa, in front of the fire with hot lemon and honey and stories read by mummy is prescribed to be continued until the patients are feeling better. This decision has brought smiles on the faces of the children, if weak ones. All this talk of medicine, my dear great-great-grandchildren, makes me wonder what medicine will be like in your day. We have amazing space-age electronic equipment, yet more chemicals and tablets. I like to think that things have also come to embrace the gentler forms of healing, like that which is indicated in the Bible, where it says that God has provided many plants for our medicine. Certainly animals haven't lost the instinct for seeking out a certain plant and eating it when they are sick. Meditation can be a very powerful tool to completely relax the body. In all religions, meditation is recommended to relax body, mind and spirit, and bring all of these into harmony together. Yet it isn't just a spiritual practice. It is also based upon a strong scientific link to the physiology of the body. For instance, we have all heard of the fight or fight response, which happens when the body is threatened in some way or overly stressed. The eyes respond and the pupils dilate, presumably to see as much as they can, The respiration becomes more rapid to enable more oxygen to be taken in to fuel the body for fight or flight. The the heartbeat becomes more rapid to enable flight or fight. And finally, the most damaging of all to modern-day man, the enormous release of adrenaline and cortisone to stress hormones. Of course, in the age we now live in, we do not respond. We grit our teeth and stand our ground and the response is unused, particularly the stress hormones, which if not used remain in the body and do untold damage. Science now understands that at the other end of the spectrum, there is a relaxation response, which is also called up when we meditate. This response produces the exact opposite physiological effects. The pupils become smaller, the respirations become slower, Some meditators, and in yogis, can make their respiratory rate almost imperceptible. The heartbeat slows up, and stress hormones are not released. This state of being is very good for the human body, 
and general well-being. Endorphins spread throughout the body. To meditate once a day for half an hour can have very powerful effect on the general well-being of each individual. Can apparently lower blood pressure, which is a real problem in our time, and can lead to heart attacks and strokes. I do hope that has been delegated to history in your time. I'm sure that science will have enabled you to find the answers to many of the problems that we face today, but I hope also that you have reclaimed the more natural and gentle ways of healing and being. The problem with today is that we, we know that to relax will be good for us, and yet it's difficult to get to that point to find space a time where we can do it. Not like we have on many occasions in our progress thrown out the baby with the bath water. You may have to look that saying up.